0: Hello and welcome to episode 208 of the Washed Up Emo podcast. I am Tom Mullen from WashedUpEmo.com. Today, we welcome Justin Pearson. If that name is unfamiliar, head on over to 31g.com right now. You can stop the podcast. It's helpful, but also not necessary because he's on the show. So Justin was and is a musical force. He's been in a lot of projects over the years and worth diving into his work now with Dead Cross, Def Club, or where I found out about him was when I was a little bit younger and I got into the Swing Kids uh, and then the Locust. So Justin was a little older than me and hearing about his history with punk, hardcore, San Diego, the word emo was again eye-opening for me because I only know so much and I love talking to people that know a lot more than me. Justin was open and honest about how he felt about the scene and an inspiration for myself and hopefully you after listening to this interview. Again, search out 31G. That's a record label who runs it. It's amazing. So check out 31G. Uh, we'll have links on washtepemo.com. So dive into him. And if you've never heard about it, awesome. Or you have, ride alongside myself, the emo nerd, and get schooled from a legend. This is episode 208 of the washed Up Emo podcast with Justin Pearson. So, again, I know we met through like the Swing Kids stuff. I definitely want to mention that, but just as a you know precursor, how much do you know about the podcast or the website or the book series or anything? And then we can go from there.
1: Totally, that's a great question because I have seen it here and there, but I. And as I think, well, we kind of talked about it before, like or, like through through email, but like I kind of I cringed at like the title of your podcast. Totally. And so I also cringe at emo in general. So I'm just like, fuck, you know. So when I would see stuff, <laughs> I'm always like, eh, not for me. But when when that swing kids post, I think it was on Instagram or, or Facebook or both or something, and I was like, oh, that, I, I mean, regardless of who's talking about it, like it was cool and I was like oh cool like rad or whatever you know like that's thank you or, or whatever it was and then and then we kind of like talked about it in the podcast and so then I kind of looked a little bit further into it and I was like oh shit it's like super legit you know and like like I think I mentioned like seeing Guy on on one of the episodes and stuff and I'm like okay like <laughs> it's not like because I don't know because I think the term emo is something that I've never ever identified with and always avoided kind of like I mean I embrace the terms punk and hardcore, but those even still like at times leave a bad taste in your mouth. You're like, "What is this?" And like, just emo is something I never connected with, especially like in the '90s. I mean, looking back in retrospect, I I see, you know, that kind of music or style as like uh, as like a, a an entity now. But at the time, no one was like, you know, we weren't like we're emo or or like right. we're anything. Like, you know, I think we were just like it was like a you know, a metamorphosis of something like we were leaving something and going somewhere else, and that and it just took a minute, at least for me. So not like, I mean, like I was like a cross punk, you know, in my in my teens, like you know, and I was like getting, like getting rid of that kind of like element and, and sticking to my politics and stuff, and like just uh, sort of um, opening up a little bit more, you know, and and I guess <clears throat> that would be like uh, me. Uh, Sort of welcoming other kinds of music, not like uh, only like pissed off hardcore or something or, or or whatever whatever you want to call it, grind or punk or whatever. You know, like so I was kind of like, oh yeah, like this is rad. And and also too like, um, I mean in my in my I hate the word career too, but in my musical career or even like with running 31G, my I've always identified with Fugazi, Discord, and specifically Gee as as sort of like a um A north star, like okay, like this is a good example of like things, you know, like all things like considered, and and obviously like Fugazi fits into that realm of like emo or or something post you know punk or hardcore. Yeah. So yeah, so um, that's that's So it, so it, it was. <laughs> so I I totally
0: get that, and I hate I hate the name. I think if I named it anything else, if I named it, you know, um you know, a uh, laptop blog. I feel like I yeah. would be so much better off. <laughs> I could, because this isn't just emo. Like if you saw the list, like you saw, like it's punk, it's hardcore, it's, yeah. you know, yeah. totally, quote unquote yeah. emo yeah. bands. But like,
1: probably, I think it's safe to say that like hit musically, like hit, like, well, historically, I guess, I guess musically and historically it, emo is traced back to right to spring. I mean, I don't know if there was something before that, that like kind of embodied that, um, sort of vibe or or whatever. Yeah, it's definitely... Yeah,
0: I feel like it's... But it's. remember, it's all these pieces. Like, I loved metal, I loved hardcore, and I think probably the same time you got out of it, I did. I was like, all right, well, this is boring. You know, what's Uh next? And I think for...
1: I never got out of it, though. I just think I tried to
0: reinvent something. Oh, I got what you mean. reinvent
1: myself, you know? Yeah. It's funny about, like, the metal and stuff and hardcore because when I was in Swing Kids, we um needed a second guitar player or i think i thought we needed a second guitar player and i kept asking aaron richards who was one of the original guitar players for Air, to join swing kids and he kept telling me that we were too metal and i was like what the fuck man like my band before that struggle was like a metal band like how come you how come you're pinning that shit on me right now i'm trying to like not be metal and you know i mean it just i guess it's all like your um perception of things because or your reference points. Cause I right. thought Swing Kids wasn't metal, but even listening back to it, it's like, I could kind of see why he would have
0: said that. Did you maybe when, <laughs> yeah, but th- I guess I would love to California scene is something that I haven't, I haven't been able to dive into cause I was so far away, you know, and it wasn't like I could pull up YouTube or pull up wiki. And what about that <clears throat> sort of gravity records? Like SoCal, what did that, what did that feel like? Did it, did it feel like you guys are doing something or it just happened to be, we're doing our own thing and that's it? The scene in general, no, not just swing a, kids. That's
1: a pretty interesting, sure. Um, well it's, it's weird because, um, there's two things on that point that I think are are important for what came out of Southern California, but specifically San Diego. And <clears throat> there's this film, damn, I think it's called, um, I think it's called, it's going to blow. And so, and Ian McKay's in it, he's talking about he's relating DC to New York and San Diego to Los Angeles. And he kind of has this like idea and I'm paraphrasing, but like the, that the the, the two smaller cities are, are, you know, like um, DC and also San Diego are kind of in the outskirts of like this major metropolitan, you know, entity that's like churning out art and music or whatever. And so like, we're in this like sort of in the, in the shadows, it's like a Petri dish where it's like that we can kind of, breathe and move and and mutate and create where like maybe if you're in the grind in Los Angeles, you don't really have the ability. So there is like that sort that perception that I think is um, that is that is accurate to an extent and and sort of relevant in the bigger picture. But then there's also the fact that I think that San Diego is like fully fucked up conservative uh, like tourist city and
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and doesn't really have a, a very welcoming platform for a lot of arts and so it was uh especially for younger people so when we were growing up it was it was there was no venues except like you know there was like two and there was um a lot of nazi skinheads and there was um you know like a, a like a huge military presence because uh you know like it, even in high schools like most of the students were were part of that i went to were part of like military families so it was it was like um it wasn't like you could just be a punk or a weirdo or like an artist. Like you, you, there was like a lot of conflict. And so people were, um, had, I don't know, like kind of felt like, I feel like it was a little more dangerous and like in what you did. And also with that being said, like all of the, the fringes of, of stuff, like, let's say, you know, cause I was really in, like when I was in middle school and high school, I was really into punk and I, and I, but I had to, not had to, but like, I was, I was friends with like all the skaters and all the cholos and like all the people that were kind of, um, not necessarily like, I didn't have like, uh, like a lot in common with them. I had something in common with them, but we all kind of stuck together because there wasn't, um, anything for the youth. And if you were not into like mainstream garbage or stuff or whatever. So, so then I think, you know starting to play music and stuff it's like we would play with anyone and we would play anywhere I mean, we would play like crazy as shit i just went this friend of mine who's a farmer just was like hey i, I put on this show um in um ni- 1990 in in Tijuana and your band played your metal band and it's like you know it was like oh yeah struggle we played it it was it was so weird that we you know we went to TJ and played in this like little court area and it, wow. there was no um like no no other like um Punk bands. Like, we looked fucked up, like, to, to everybody. It was, like, just all, like, just, like, you know, working class Mexicans, like, in this quad area. I have no idea what it was even about, but there were, like, a bunch of political banners, and it was a thing about, like, socialism and, 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 and workers, like, workers' rights. And so we were, we were, I mean, I was, you know, 15. <laughs> it was fucking crazy to, like, go wow. to DJ and play to people that I, I, and, and it was weird because no one was, like, no one seemed psyched on us. But no one di- didn't seem offended or or or, or like or like um, you know they didn't like not care they were indifferent they were kind of just like okay like these kids are here making this racket for a cause that we all are here for as well and so it was a strange strange vibe and it was definitely an eye opening experience because then it was like then I started realizing like oh yeah we're we'll just we're just gonna play like I, I remember also too maybe um, a few months after that we played this thing for Earth Day and it was at this place called camp land on the bay and it's where people tourists go and they like you know it's campsites by the by the bay of the ocean you know and um but we played with a reggae band and jello biafra gave a lecture and it was like and it just made sense you know like there was not everybody kind of just like we all got along with obviously with jello but like with the these dudes in this in this weird like funk reggae band they were super down for the environment and and like kind of left leftist politics and stuff so we we just all it just made sense to everybody and so um that's kind of how san diego is you know and then later on like in the locust like we you know we we go out on Rock rocking the crypt or or fucking andrew WK or whoever you know and it's like okay like this is fine we'll just do this and, and it you know probably doesn't make a lot of sense on paper and maybe isn't even a great idea um, in retrospect, but we just figured like, sure, like, why not? Like we're friends with Andrew WK. Let's go on tour with him. I mean, his fans weren't psyched and <laughs> eventually we were, we realized we weren't very psyched either, but, but it seemed, you know, like a reasonable thing to do.
0: <laughs> so. Right. And also um, that, yeah, I mean, you kind of, you, you kind of band together when there's an entity like that, like the military, like having that huge presence down there Um and you're kind of anyone that isn't that, that isn't almost like programmed, you feel like you have this connection with.
1: Yeah, but so I, I guess like if you take it into perspective ge- geographically, you think, okay, there's, let's say, um, I don't know. I'm trying to, well, okay, So I grew up in Phoenix before I moved to San Diego. So in Phoenix, it's a smaller city and, and, and you kind of, um, I mean, I was a kid, but going back and touring there, I, I, I kind of got a different perspective of things. But I remember, like, um, you know, so you, you kind of, again, you try really hard to find a community to, to fit in with. Right. So, but with San Diego, I feel that we were so close to Los Angeles that we had, we did have a lot of, like, br- like brushes with, like, cool shit. You know, we were like, um, all this really weird or uh, interesting stuff would kind of, kind of sort of, um, peek in, you know, um, sometimes bands would play here or we could go to Los Angeles, two, you know, two hours away and, and see these things or whatever. And, and so that we still had this, like, um, this way to, to really take in, um, elements of culture or musical, you know, musical culture or whatever. And, and, um, and still kind of take away things. So, so like a good example of, or going back to the, like the D.C. San Diego um, mm-hmm. correlation or connection, I guess would, would be um, how I think how influential Discord and probably specifically Nation Ulysses was on San Diego and and that shift in the way that punk and hardcore was perceived. Because I think I think it's safe to say that Nation Ulysses like fully um, influenced. Um, a lot of people that were affiliated with Gravity Records, specifically Antioch Arrow, and then also, you know, Swing Kids as well. And so, but at the same time, we also kind of saw those elements like in Rye Coalition and, um, other, I don't know, like even, and even like a few years later, like obviously refused, looked like they were from San Diego, things like that, that would, would pop up, um, but I mean, I mean, I wonder where the root of it all is. It's the, the, I, I feel like there's like, so, so, you know, Nation started something um, and, and, and it, and it seemed unique. It was seemed very, it was very punk, but like, you know, if you saw them on the streets, you wouldn't be like, oh, there's a punk band, you know, because they don't have like leather jackets and mohawks. They, they looked like mods or, or with suits or something, you know? And so it was kind of, kind of a trip, but it was, but that, uh, that like element seemed like um, punk In root, you know, in in their roots, because you look at bands like I like Crime or something, or or um, I don't know, maybe even like um, I guess you know, I guess Devo might be an extreme um, you know, uh, I like example, but um, um, where a or James Chance and the Contortions, you know, like there's like a dude playing sax you know it's kind of weird and not really like right. punk rock but it's pretty fucking punk and so i think that was kind of where we were able to grab our um influences from you know and, and also too i think early on man i feel like san diego got this uh the bug with like weirdo shit like the birthday party and and, and heavy like into like early pil and stuff like that so where it was um which I guess is like post-punk, but that also like helped to really um, steer the direction. Cause you know, you look at like a band like Antioch Arrow, which is fully a hardcore band, but like, I, I think that they really were taking cues from bands that weren't like obviously punk and hardcore in, in, in um, you know, I guess like on paper, you know, but they, they definitely were. Um, so I think we were just able to be creative. Uh, we Are we not... Not that we were able to, but we were allowed to be. So, so like, I, I feel like if we were in Los Angeles, it, it probably wouldn't have happened. There would have been pressure. As, or as easy as it did. Totally. Because here we were just like, we'll take whatever we can get. Like, right. Fucking do whatever we can.
0: I, I think that's totally so. true. I mean, that's why like Long Island, New Jersey, Connecticut bands had a little bit more time to experiment. And yet, you know, New York was a stone throw away. Um and i feel like that yeah. Yeah, that that's really interesting i think what um i was going to mention is you know we were born on the same day which is awesome yeah. um and yeah. f- i f- <laughs> what what was interesting when i got into punk and i want because you were, you're older than me when i first saw like bloodlink or ebullition is that how you pronounce it
1: Ebullition, Yeah,
0: Yeah, abolition. I I have trouble with ease. I like stutter ease, so every time I say it I'm like, did I just fuck that up? Um, what about like <laughs> those like seeing the blood link comp or seeing their you know ads or something like reaching out to those guys and getting that stuff to happen like give like was it was it months? Was it weeks? Was it uh like how, how, did those, how did those things form? I mean, I definitely remember letters. I didn't always have email. I remember that world, but like just yes. even finding it is, is insane.
1: That's a good question because I also trip out on the fact that at that time it seemed like everybody's band was like around for two years and that was the lifespan. And now two years would be a blink of an eye. And you're like, what the fuck just happened? That band right. is gone already. But I mean, you know, Struggle was around two years, Swing Kids, two years, and Curse, two years. You know, Andy Eckhart was probably two years. I think heroin was probably two years. Like everybody was just kind of like two years, you know, but we were all like 15, 16, 17, 18, and that, was, and that was it, you know. And a lot of times it was like, oh, someone has to go to school or like move away for college or fucking whatever, you know. And so I think that um, also, too, when you're only alive for 16 years, two seems like a long goddamn time, you know. But when you're alive for 45 years, like two seems like nothing, you know. So it's, it's a strange thing to kind of, try to put into perspective um but for me it was um you know playing shows seeing downcast meeting Kent mcclard from abolition and then him saying like hey do you want to be on this compilation which was the give me back compilation that struggle was on um and that was like kind of my first um time i ever really i, I so as soon as i like discovered um obtainable like sort of um, underground music, uh, in San Diego, or even before San Diego. I mean, even when I lived in Phoenix, I I met some, some bands and stuff. And so it was like weird being like 10 years old and being like, Oh my gosh, these these people are in a band. Like that's, that's cool. Because before that it was, you know, it was like David Bowie or, or, or kiss or whatever, you know, and I was, you were never going to just meet them at the, at the mall or, you know, like at the, at the skate shop or whatever, you know? So it was, um, so it was kind of like meeting these people, and then and then them saying like, "Hey, you should record and be on this compilation." I'm like, "What the fuck?" Like, "Okay, we're gonna record," you know. And then it's figuring that out, and then, you know, kind of went from there. And, and um, I mean, same with Scott from Bloodlink. I mean, he was, I think we pretty much like met because we were we were both like into being criminals, and like we were, he put out this magazine called Retrieval Inc., which is just about like ways to scam shit and like steal and stuff, and and we became friends, and it was totally crazy because um, fuck it's probably like insane what years story in the film I was um, uh, 91 I think so I was 16 um, when I met him and I had just started driving and I went to meet him for a few reasons because he made the retrieval ink um, magazine and I was like oh shit and in that magazine it teaches you how to steal from vending machines like soda machines and, and stuff like that so we would take these tape dollars with, with um, duct t- or packaging tape on these dollars and stick them into the vending machines, and pull them out. And we'd just get like tons of money. And we would do that on tour all the time. And that's how we kind of, that's how we survived. Cause I mean, none of us, well, some of us had jobs, but we didn't really like have like regular jobs and we were trying to tour and buy you know, buy gear and, and stuff like that. So, um, um, so we, there's this way to steal. And so, so, um, you know, through vending machines. And then, and then we figured out that you could do the tape dollar thing in postal vending machines, which is super fucked. Cause that's like a federal offense. And <laughs> we, we were like stealing tons of stamps and, and shit. And, um, so I would steal all these stamps. This is crazy too, because, so I would go to these, this post office every day and steal the stamps out of the machine. And they would, and they would rep- replace them. And I would go on every, every night, uh, at a, at a code to get in. So, to, cause I had a PO box. And so I'd go and steal the, the mail or the, sorry, steal the, uh, the stamps um and then I would trade the stamps for records, but I would trade the stamps in double value for records, so I would write so I discord was the main thing, and I would I would tell discord like, okay, I want to take all these records, um what's the wholesale rate, and I'll pay twice the amount in in stamps and so like I just started this big distribution you know like for <laughs> you know like to take to shows and sell so then so so I was like the distroing stuff so then scott comes around he's like hey i'm in i'm in ai uh, don't know where he was like uh, he was he was in l.a like orange county and he's like you want to meet up and i was like sure and i drove up there to meet him and fucking total weirdo and um this is before Bloodlink, i think and he and he was like oh i'm bootlegging records do you want to do you want to buy any of these bootlegs off because they sell really well and i'm like how you you know how are you bootlegging records and he he figured out a way to do it with the matrix or the scribe on, on from one certain pressing plant. You could call him and say, he was, say he was the person that was, um, that put him out. And then, you know, cause he, he would know. And so he was like bootlegging all these shelters, seven inches. And, um, and I was, you know, I was like, I was already kind of like on the Sam McFeeders tip of like hating Krishna and stuff, especially in hardcore. So I was like, fuck, I'll sell these, these shelter records for like kind of a lot of money. And, that was how we became friends, just by being criminals. I guess. And, I mean, I think I'd like to say that I was a bit more ethical. I don't. I'd have never bootlegged a record, um, but he was into it and was able to be bootleg records. So, what um, about
0: those labels? I don't know. What maybe people don't know, or what people? Because I just, you know, I only saw the ad, or maybe a, you know, one record or two. But then, you know, they sort of. You know, like you said about the bands, they're around for two two years and then they're gone. Or yes, some labels are longer, but yeah. they almost have this like public conscious. What about those labels, you know, stuck with you? What do you mean? Meaning like, what did you learn from them? Like, what did you take to, th- what did you take the 3-1-G oh, or what oh, did you yeah, take yeah. to do, you know, swing kids later? Or, you know, just sort of those yeah. early on people, you see how they do something. Yes, you can scam a... <laughs> Soda machine, which is I totally yeah. remember that. But yeah, like, what did you what did you take from them?
1: Well, that's a good example because Scott Bybin was a, was like a huge, um, in, like learning, you know, like I learned a lot from him. Like, I, and and I don't mean this in a negative way, but I mean it in a very honest way. I learned a lot of like what not to do from that guy. So like, um, because the the weird thing is, I grew up with like um, all, you know, like my my friends were were the people that ran. Gravity records and vinyl communications and um even even like knowing the the people at profane existence and stuff at the at the time it was um or even lookout you know um those are all like really cool influential labels and so i, I had a and, and, and especially being on ebullition was was like the main thing because it was um it was like there was a very it was very it, 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 like it was very um um open like you like this is what you do you, you 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 i don't remember if they paid for shit or how this is how much that you get and this is what you receive and then you will get you know like you just you knew what was happening it wasn't like sketchy or whatever so so and also the quality was really good you knew what you knew what it was going to look like you knew your you knew your record was going to be done right and and distributed right and like be part of a cool ass thing, you know. So with Scott, it was like, you know, he he wanted to do the struggle under toe split and he didn't really you know, he didn't pay for the recording and he changed the labels, label artwork, and he changed the cover. And then, you know, we couldn't figure out how many was selling and we never got paid. You know, and then only like at one time I brought up to him like Dude, you never paid any of us, and he gave me like fifty bucks. I'm like, this is fucking weird. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, like th- this is like definitely not what you do when you run a record label. So, um, you know, it's it, 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 I, I learned like, okay, there's there's a sense of professionalism, and even if you're not a huge label, you know, a big label like like Discord or something, you there's a there's a there's a way to run your label, and and you you know, I don't want to burn anyone, I don't want to piss people off, right. and and I have pissed people off, and I've been audited and shit over the years, and and I've always kept to my shit and be like, this is it. Like, I, you know, this is why you're not making money. This is why, you know, like, here's all the, here's all the, you know, here's all the receipts. Like, so I'd rather be honest and, and, and have, and be able to like, and be able to cover my own ass than, than just kind of be weird in, in this murky sketchy area. You know, I just, I was always kind of like, this is how it is. And, and that, that this is how it's, you know, like this is how it's going to be, if there's any problems, like what's, let's deal with it you know it wasn't kind of just right. i do not really want to avoid people and if someone ever said you know you know like blood brothers they wanted their record okay well take your record you know, they sold it to epitaph and that that's how it is you know i mean i i don't i don't i think if someone if someone wanted to take a record then then they can have it i don't i don't want to be like that and and i've wanted to take records from labels and i have and so that you know i i just i guess being in a band and a label and running a label gives you a really interesting perspective of things. Where where I think if if you don't do both, you 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 might not have the the sort of emotional knowledge of of what it's like to, to kind of see your artwork changed or something. You know, I mean, even like Kidney Room, you know, James Spooner at the time Razzle Spooner is awesome, and I'm so glad we got to work with him. He was a fucking rad ass dude, and he does really impressive shit now. But at the time, it was like. You know, ch- changed the cover artwork, and he and he made T-shirts with, with his you know record label on it, like and the, like brown and orange and shit. And we're like, dude, we're you know like we have an aesthetic, like an artistic vision. Like not only are you just doing random shit without asking us, but you're not like it doesn't look cool. It'd be one thing if like he was like just randomly doing shit that was like cool looking, but so it was you know it was kind of just like a, a thing to that's what that's what I took you know that's what I that's what stuck with me. Like don't fuck around with people's shit. Mm make it, make it right. You know? So, right.
0: What about somebody, um, what about for someone that doesn't know about gravity records? What would you, what would you tell someone, you know, if they asked, Hey, what, what was that label? What was that about?
1: Well, fuck man. I mean, culturally, I feel like that thing should be so much more, you know, known and, and, and it, and it, the things that it did and influenced uh, are, are just insane, and it's weird because I don't think it gets enough credit. And I also feel, I also like, will tell Matt Anderson, like, dude, you, you did this thing that like that nobody had done before. You know, I mean, it was. He doesn't, you know, he's very humble, and 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 I and I appreciate that. But at the same time, I'm like, man, you should fucking own it, you know? Or I don't know, it's weird, you know, because you know, a good example is the, is the heroin seven inch yep. uh, in a paper bag. And it's just like, you can't get like, who the fuck comes up with that? You know? And you, and you come up with that when you're, when you're creative and you're cutting corners and doing like, it's that, that's the thing. It's like they, they did something unique and on a budget and it turned out awesome, you know? And the, and later on the first Annie arrow record cover with the spray painted cover, it, it, I think those are like easily the most groundbreaking record covers ever um and, it, and it's so, such a simple idea um those are the things that really were um effective but even before like kind of gravity was doing that you know it was it was vinyl communications um putting out stuff like um they would always have rubber stamps on them and that was a thing like with rubber stamps and even you know the 1st one 31g release which was the unbroken and Fall on proverbs seven inch was with rubber stamped <laughs> not that uh, you know i mean you know, i love not being um original uh, but you know that's really what unbroken wanted to do because that's a good example too with unbroken who i guess might fall into an emo category they seem more metal to me and, and at the time they were straight edge but um you know they were on new age and it was elder stuff was very very professional and like high gloss and like very um like a real band on a real record label and and their whole thing was you know eric Alan wanted it to look like shit, you know, and he wanted to look like it was a gravity record and I don't mean shit in a bad way, but like he wanted to make it look like it was, like it was done in, you know, in the, in the basement of someone's house that that's poor and, 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 an artist, you know, and I think that was like a really cool thing that they, that they did because it, it set them apart. And it also showed, I think the larger world of hardcore, where they were from, where their roots were, because you know, I maybe mean, heroin might not seem like it, but like they were, they were playing, they always played with heroin, or they, I mean, uh, Unbroken always played with heroin, or or um, or Click It To Akitawi or something, you know, and it and it made sense, and and that was a, everybody was like on the same level, you know, or the same community or team or whatever you want to call it. So, you know, I think that was um, a really smart move on Unbroken's part, and I don't think it was a calculated move. I think they were just like, we want to do something that looks like it's a Gravity Records release, and that was fucking cool you know and i was and i'm glad i was, I was part of that like because i loved or i love gravity records and i love unbroken so it it made sense you know and um
0: i think they should be talked about yeah, so much more it's... i i just why aren't they mentioned in the can <laughs> like i just it seems crazy that it's almost like this it's almost like no one mentioning discord when they mention indie well,
1: yeah, I mean, because is it just the time? Well, Discord, I guess Fugazi gets it though. Maybe Fugazi gets the the recognition that that Discord doesn't. I think I don't know. I think maybe that's a bad point. example. I'm just like, trying to think I mean, of like
0: these labels that. Sorry to interrupt, but I I don't mean that like Discord. Like that's maybe no. a bad example. But some smaller label that like shaped a country, a sound, like an area. Like I I feel like it just it's it's just not mentioned enough.
1: Yeah, but maybe I mean, I don't know. What about like Trouble Man or something? At that time, it seemed like they were a part of it. Because when it when it was happening, like when Gravity was a label in its in its prime or whatever, and um, and and everything in the world was going on, it still it still sort of made like it it made sense, but didn't seem um, you know, it wasn't legendary yet. It was kind of like oh, there's these fucking weirdos putting out these paper bag seven inches you know, over in the corner of the continent or the, you know, of the country or whatever. Like, and that's, that was like the extent of it. And it wasn't until 20 years, you know, later that that, that, or 30 years later where people can reflect on it and be like, Oh fuck, that was groundbreaking. You know? So I think that like, um, so, so why do people not notice them now is because there was like, there's time that's spanned. I mean, for me in growing up and, 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 and like the sort of realm that I grew up in, it was always kind of, kind of like, watching a band like refuse to get really popular and be like what in the actual fuck, you know, why does, why are people not like talking about any Arrow when they watch that, you know, new noise video or the first, whatever big video they put out, it's it fucking looked like any Arrow but with a lot of money. And that's, that was a weird thing to kind of see happen. And, and so I think it's just because, um, you know, and I am friends with them and I'm, obviously friends with epitaph but um you know epitaph picked it up and had the money and pushed it and and pushed out this thing no offense to epitaph but they didn't i don't think they knew i still don't think that brett gerowitz probably knows what antioch arrow is maybe he does but you know what i'm saying like there was no reference point it was just kind of right. like there's this fucking new crazy ass thing let's market the shit out of it and, and and it worked you know to some extent i think a lot of it is like is like time we'll keep it alive because something will happen. Uh, something will be referenced at a point at a point, And I don't know if this is public knowledge yet. So there's a, there's a label that I'm friends with. that's that's pretty big and they're reissuing um, this, the San Diego band's anthology. And, um, and I was kind of like, wow, that's weird that they're doing that. But, but it's, but it's because I don't know if they're that big on a, on a, on that level of, of, you know, re reissuing this thing. And who's it going to ap- appeal to like, it's it like if you take nostalgia out of it, it might not be a, you know, cool or whatever. If I heard that band today, it might not make a big deal to me, but I grew up with it, so, so I think that it takes something like that, discovering something from the past and pushing it out there again and be like, oh, check this shit out, you know? Because I don't know, like I remember, I remember at one point like discovering this Heat, and I thought like, this is fucking crazy, this new band, and I'm like, oh wait, shit, this is from the '70s, you know? This record's you know the '70s, like it's not new. Uh, and it was just it took a minute for like someone to put it out there and it became like kind of cool in a in a you know in a in an underground way and certain for certain people or whatever so i I think that it might just take like one person or entity to kind of revisit it to make it um to make it popular or or at least better known you know um but i don't i mean i don 't know i remember like um fucking swing kids like no one liked swing kids when we were a band it, it was it was weird and i remember going on tour in europe and playing this festival and it was it was i mean at the time it was fucking terrible it was like every band was like metalcore it was in europe and band was metalcore and and even refused they played and it was when they were like i think in their victory record space so they looked like all the other assholes that were there you know there were people like <laughs> just making fun of the way we looked before we even played you know and there was one Italian band that got to play, I think like sort of added last minute and they played after us and, and I felt bad for them because they were even more artsy fartsy than we were, you know, in comparison to all these, you know, the vegan straight edge moshers. And it was, I just remember like being like, fuck this shit, like fuck all these people, you know? And it was probably one of the most epic shows that that band that, you know, that Swinkids had played. But, it, and, it, and I think, it, I think part of it was like the way that we performed was because we, there was so much, Sort of contrast to the you know to whatever and so all the weirdos that were there just fucking went nuts and it was and it was great you know but it was crazy to see like uh you know because a lot of people said like well it wasn't until Swing Kids played with Refused in Belgium you know then they changed and then they started looking like you know you guys or whatever and it was like well I don't know I mean I still don't think that even like a good a good example is like pe- people do equate you know Refused to san diego stuff specifically san diego or Swinkit, but i don't know if it's even like when you're part of it it doesn't i'm like that doesn't make sense but you know they kind of looked like they kind of looked like they were from san diego but they never sounded like it. i don't think the change the change shape of punk to come sounded like a, a couldn't have been on gravity it seemed too hardcore or metal or whatever like hardcore you know it didn't yeah. seem like it didn't seem like fucked up enough like and like Click it to or something or whoever, you know, I mean, it, did, it, did, it wouldn't have made sense to, to a lot of people if you're in that world, you know, it kind of, it kind of seemed like, okay, well, there's this popular band now, all of a sudden refused, who look like our friends, but, but, you know, they don't sound like any of our band, our friends' bands or anything, you know, they, they didn't sound like nationalists, you know, they, too, they were too hardcore and polished and, and like right. metal or kind of, kind of sounding. So, um, but to the outsider, it's just like they're just like, what the fuck is this crazy shit? I know, they, you know? They because they they haven't seen shit. All these together. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe they only had seen Madball up until that point, and then, <laughs> and then that happened. You know, that, that would that would probably blow your mind. So I mean, especially like in Umiya, where they were from, totally. <laughs> but you know, like if you're like. You know, from Umia, and all of a sudden they're like, "Oh, there's this thing happening." Because I remember, like, I remember being on that tour with Swing Kids, and you know, talking about, you know, Born Against and Ulysses and people are like, "Who the fuck is that?" You know, because they only knew of Madball and like, whatever, like, <laughs> Snapcase or some—I don't know, whatever <laughs>
0: band. Like, you know, like Justin. I just want a podcast of <laughs> you saying random hardcore bands with disdain. I think that would be worth a download. I love it. <laughs>
1: Well, I don't mean. I don't I'm know, just like, I mean, messing I with you. I love cause it. Because I actually, I said, because I did a right when, when I think maybe when you posted the thing about swing kids, there there was this thing on No Echo where I talked about um, swing kids, and and I mentioned this time right at the end of struggle, right before we broke up, and I and I and I I think I came off as talking shit about Strife, and I didn't mean to, and and <laughs> and then on and then on like on like their on like No Echo's Instagram Strife's like in a fucking really rad way it was like huh you know like they weren't like fuck you and and so we got in like to a i don't know which member of the band it was but like we got into a conversation a healthy conversation i think and i was like fuck man i totally was a dick but i was telling this story about them and i just said i i never got into them and that that i think that's i think that's fine i I never said they were bad i never thought they were bad i just never really got into them no that's fine even with
0: time and place right
1: i don't know yeah, but I've never even heard Snapcase. I mean, I've heard them, but I, don't, I wouldn't know. Like, oh, yeah, I don't like that. I don't know that I don't like it. I just don't know about it.
0: <laughs> and that's fine.
1: Madball, I know I don't like.
0: I'll say <laughs> that. Oh, dude, that's so funny. No, it's like it's the those factions of, of, of hardcore and, like, you know, I think I was in that. Maybe I'm a little younger than you, so I was in that phase of, like, okay, this is the first thing I heard. And then when I realized, oh, there's other stuff, I left it aside. Um, and I think that's where yeah. you were already past it. You were already you were already on your way. No, no, no. I mean, everything was so fast
1: then. You, you know, like two years seemed like a lifetime. Yeah. You know when you're when you're eighteen, it's like two years is a long motherfucking time. People
0: not mentioning National Ulysses or these other bands, and then years later they mention. Do you do you think there's do you feel okay with that association with the word again, or does it still have a stank on it?
1: You know, I don't really personally, I don't care. I just, for me, I just, you know, like with the word email, I just avoid it. Like, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't, it's not like, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I wreck. I like that resonates with me. Like I need to identify. Like, yeah. I just was kind of like, Pff, I don't know what that is. Like, I don't know. I don't identify with, any anything? I don't think. I mean, I, I you know, I mean, like, yeah, I don't think I don't think I can identify as anything. And even going on beyond that, like how you know, like again, I don't I don't want to sound like I'm bagging on Refuse because we could look at them broken and be like, you know, those fucking dudes looked like morrissey They sounded like entombed, and then they did this new thing that, like, right. you know, it's like what is that? Or or I don't know, like the first cattle decapitation lineup, you know, like sounded like carcass and they were like these you know vegan like you know san diego like you know weirdos or whatever and like not you know grind or whatever death metal and so i mean it's just you again it's finding something new and making it your finding something and making it your own i guess you know finding find something unique because fucking swing kids just ripped off in my opinion ripped off dried like jehu and i sorry to say that to the rest of the band, but like, I mean, Eric (laughs) Allen wanted to fucking be John Reese. That was that, you know, but, (laughs) um, it, it, you know, it happened and, and I don't think we really like, were aware of it and it wasn't, you know, I'm glad that it happened then because then I, once, once Swing Kids ended and we started the Locust, I mean, the Locust whole agenda was to sound like crossed out and we fucking didn't accomplish that ever. And that's cool. Um, I think that, you know, you have a launching point, and hopefully, you can launch really far away from your, you know, initial idea or whatever.
0: Yeah. One thing I I want to talk about the locust because I also in related I loved your book. Um, I think I, I'm I'm a voracious reader, but I usually like just read at night or whatever, and I think I. I don't remember when, but my girlfriend was like, why are you still carrying around this book? And I was like, I got to finish it. And so like anytime there was like a moment I would go through and I loved, you know, your writing and I would just love to kind of hear about the process of this book and, and your, you know, your um, honesty and the, I mean, it, it, um, I just, I, I just loved the book. It just, it, it, it spoke to me in many ways. So how did it start and what was, was it was it hard for you to get this stuff on paper?
1: Thank you for one. Um, and I kinda look at it like a like a record that I put out a long time ago because I, I, I wouldn't wanna I don't wanna if if swing kids were to say like, Oh, let's redo this record, you know, I'd be like, Fuck, we gotta really let's make it better, you know. And I and I do look at it kinda like that. Like that book was fine or whatever or whatever. I didn't know what I was doing, kinda, which is sort of how it was most of the records I've recorded, but with the book, I didn't know what I was doing as a writer. So that was, a. I think if I could go back and, and make it better, I would, because when I put out my, my, my second book, um, how to lose friends and irritate people, you know, it's not the same topic obviously, but it's, it, it's. I think my, my writing ability became a little bit smarter where um, I think, um, fuck, I don't know. Like, I think I was, a. I think I was like a shithead in my, in the way I wrote some of the stuff, like who gives a fuck about like probably at least 40% of what I wrote in that book, to me, that's how I think of it. Mm -hmm. Like we could probably trim the fat and get rid of a couple stories in there that are just dog shit. Like it doesn't matter. The, the cooler stuff, you know, is, is really like, I don't know, you know, talking about like the Jerry Springer thing was pretty interesting or, or like, um, you know, talking about like how I identified skateboarding culture when I was 10, that those things are, those things are cool. But for the most part, a lot of it is just like crap. Like I didn't even need to write about it. So, so why um, did you do? So in I that knew time, but I know now. But that's how it worked.
0: Right. So at that time, you were like, these are important stories.
1: I guess so. I mean, I thought they were because the thing was like I, I was on tour and I wrote this. Um, I wrote this uh, tour diary for a, for a publication. I don't remember what it was, but for whatever reason, I had emailed it to um, to John Waters i don't know why he he, he, he was like because we were we had we had become friends and, and he was he's like you should be, you should write a book and i was like about what he's like that like what you just sent me and i was like i don't know how to do that and he just said oh just write one story he, he's like just write a story and i was like okay i don't know what the hell he's talking about so i wrote this one story about it's in the book it, it changed a little bit but it was the first thing i wrote and it was about me being obsessed with Kiss as a little kid and, and going to Thinking I was going to see them, and my mom like duped me and bought me like Pez, and like didn't fucking ever take me to see Kiss. And I was, I think I was like five or six, and I and I probably should have gone. I think I, I think I needed to go see Kiss at that age and and, and experience that. And so uh, anyhow, I wrote the story and and I sent it to him. And he goes, "There's a the start of your book." And I was like, "What in the hell?" And so then I was like, "All right, well I guess I'm gonna do that." And then so I just I just kept writing these like smaller stories, like these chunks of like a thing. And then and then I had a bunch of them I don't know twenty or something or thirty and I pu- and I put them in order in, in chronological order and then I and then I filled in some gaps and then I, and then and then I was like oh shit this is like a this is like a whole bunch of stuff that like I experienced in my life and so that was kind of how it came together in in an odd way and then and then it was like again, kind of working like, you, you know, it's very similar to putting out a record on a label. Like, you know, I'm like, okay, I know what it should be like. So let me reach out to this, a friend of mine, you know, that that works for this, this publishing company. And I, I, I really wanted to be on AK press. I, I I love that publishing company and a lot of their books and them as a distribution um, network is, is, um, was very important to me. And I thought, okay, I'm going to hit these people up and fucking hope they do it. And, and apparently um, it's like a anarchist collective or something, and so they all have to vote, and it has to be unanimous. and, and Someone said it wasn't a pl- political enough, and I was and like, "Damn it, it's not political at all! Like, fuck this! Like, what? damn it, I want you know." But it was through that that someone recommended um, this other publishing company, Soft and that me, I had already known about Soft from some of their some of their published books. Um, bomb the suburbs and uh i think the author of that did another one called um no more prisons and i was really into um that guy's books and i remember kind of getting them and they looked and had this they had this vibe they kind of seemed very similar and inside it kind of <clears throat> or when i ordered them uh, those two books it said you know oh these other books we published and so i remember just kind of like tripping out on the publishing company and just ordering shit that i never heard of and and i felt like that was kind of how it was when i discovered Alternative tentacles and you know because I like I like the Dead Kennedys and then all of a sudden I'm I'm looking into like no means no and stuff you know and bands that I'm like I don't know what this is it just sounds cool and buying shit and like hoping for the best you know and also too like not having expectations right um yeah so I don't know
0: I was gonna ask about the locust and the DIY do it yourself of uh, you know things what about <laughs> Molly from Lookout helping it was a little more pro. Uh, or what, what helped, what, what did she bring to you guys that you wouldn't have got, or you wouldn't have, sorry, wouldn't have, um, you know, done yourself.
1: Well, so I think there was a few things like, uh, one is we initially met her through Bradmobile and became really good friends with all of them. And that was kind of like the, the cool, the cool part of it. Like, Oh shit, you know, Bradmobile, that's rad. And part of this, you know, part of like the Riot girl scene and stuff was, was interesting for us in San Diego and specifically us in, in the Locust. And it was cool to kind of um, embrace something that was a, a bit more like an element of punk. That's not masculine. And that was, that was really important to us. So it was, it was cool to kind of align ourselves with Bratmobile, which we, who we toured with, you know, and that was kind of strange in itself. But even before that, uh, I was in this band called brain tourniquet briefly. And um, we were going to do a seven inch on lookout. and So I was, so she was kind of already on my, um, you know, on my uh, radar, I guess, as like a musician or, a, or an artist. And and, um, and then at some point she kind of just hit us up and was like, Hey, do you, you guys, do you guys want management? And, and I, and I think we all kind of realized like we needed it because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, none of us know what we we're doing. And we were, we were just kind of, we were just like all on like full throttle, always and that, and, and, and like every part of life, you know? And so it, so it was kind of like, we just needed someone to say like, okay, hold on. Like, this is what you need to do. And that way you can kind of um, monitorize like your efforts because, you know, again, it's like, even, at, even at like, I don't know, whatever year that was that we started working with her mm-hmm. early to mid twenties of for, for most of us, like uh, we were still kind of um, very naive and, and um, not that I think that we ever, Maybe in retrospect, we might not have even have needed a, a manager per se, but but it was there was a, a step up because like right it was we got a booking agent finally and that was kind of incredible for us to experience like to go on tour and go like oh my gosh we're gonna get paid this much for each show and and not worry and not be like fuck this pr- this promoter didn't pay us or the show didn't happen you know or whatever because that was a common thing you know I think right before we had started working with Molly we did a tour with Airborne Radar and we've showed up in Oregon and the, and the, the kid just never like was going to put on the show. And, uh, and we're like, dude, like this sucks, but it really sucks for Airborne Radar because they're from fucking the East coast. And I remember them like somehow talking this, you know, kid into coming to this, to this pizza, sh- you know, this shithole pizza place we were at in Oregon, just to, just to like see him face to face and be like, why, you know, did you not ever consider, putting on a, a actual show. And then, you know, uh, and for, for, for whatever reason, like, I think Craig like talked or demanded or threatened the guy to like, give him a check, you know? And I was like, this is bizarre, you know? And, and I, and I didn't want to run into that stuff anymore. So it's kind of like, now we were working with Molly. We got a, we got a booking agent, which was rad. I don't think we would have ever been able to do that on our own. Maybe, maybe we would have, but, and then, and then she helped um, sort of, um, you know, negotiate all of the our our stuff with um initially with anti and then again also with ipecac as well and then uh you know put out you know records on on killer labels with a, with like a lot of support and and then it was like you know kind of started learning but not fully um like she was i think she might have been like too lenient at some point because mm-hmm. we would we would just kind of like put a record out and then like a little bit, we'll tour, you know, like we're not doing it like by industry standards. We're like, okay, the record comes out, we got to go on tour like this long on this album cycle. We kind of were just, we were still like just doing everything all the time, you know? So I, I don't know if we, if we, if we, if we had done it differently, we might've been better off, but regardless, I mean, we did it and we did our best and then here we are and we're still a band and still doing stuff, you know, a lot slower now, but still doing stuff. So I mean, I think that she really did help us. I mean, she's not, you know, managing bands anymore and and, and whatever. But like, um, I don't know. I think it was cool to definitely move into that territory. And then the fact that it, you know, I think also to, go, not to tr- trivialize things, but like, it, she was impressive because of you know the bands that she was associated with, the, the music that she played, um, the other bands that she managed. You know, like. Um, the Donna's and like Ted Leo and and the Locust, you know, like that's fucking cool. Like that sounds cool to me. Like, I don't want to be managed by the same person that manages, I don't know, like whatever metal bands or something, you know, like, I don't like no offense to any uh, bands. I don't know who their managers are, but like, it's kind of like a booking agent that like just books all hardcore, you know, like, fuck, this is kind of a bummer, you know, because we were trying to, um not fit in you know with anything and and that and that meant like every way possible because it was pretty tiring to go on tour with where like they just put locals on the band on the bill that are that are just like you know that sounded like a second-rate daughters because they thought that's what we wanted to play with and we're like no we won't we want to play with like really cool shit like innovative stuff like we want to tour and play with you know like um like like quintron or or um i don't know like Less George's Leningrad or, or whoever we would always end up touring and playing with like just weird shit that was like, you know, again, like doing splits with Melt Banana and splits with Airborne Radar were like was our jam. Like we didn't want to be pigeonholed into with other bands that had blast beats. Uh, right. you, know, we, you know, if it was up to us, we wanted to be the only band on a bill that played blast beats.
0: Right. That's the, and that's the part that I think for, you know, whatever, you know, punk or also hardcore, you know, it started to be, I worked at a hardcore label and it's like these booking agents would put these tours together. I'm like, this is great for the one fan that likes chugga chugga breakdown, but where's the, you know, where's the other type of band that's going to bring someone else. And it just got so, it just got to be almost like the same band four times.
1: Sure. Because that's what was selling. Yeah. And it's safe. Right. Safe, safe for the promoters. Safe for the agent. Like, I don't know. I don't know if that that, that doesn't do it for me. I want to. I, I don't know. I want to see like diversity, and I want to see rad shit, and how there be like a unique common thread that's not obvious. That that was always really important to me.
0: So three one G, can you talk about some of your favorite releases and? You know, and I mean, you are doing a little thinking back. You did just announce, you know, the anthology for Swing Kids.
1: <laughs> I th- okay, so I, I do sort of struggle with uh, no pun intended, but I I, do, I totally have a problem with like, um, you know, um, yeah. You know, I mean, I, I I I've been sitting on this like Swing Kids anthology record for a while, pa- partially because I'm broke as fuck, but the, part of it was like. I don't know. Does it make sense? You know, I mean, the vinyl has been out of print for a long time. We probably could sell more. That's, that's fine. But like, um, I didn't really know that it needed to happen and, and, and and I don't think anybody in the band, um, would make it happen. So I just kind of, kind of waited. And then, you know, I just, I don't know, for some reason I felt like, it's, it's cool. You know, I think maybe, I think it's, I think it's cool. I think it should come out and, and people might appreciate it. And, and I, and I, and, um, you know, I kind of put some effort into something unique, like, you know, we had it remastered and I think it sounds, um, a lot better. Um, I wish I had the tapes because I would love to dig into it and get it remixed, but th- those we never ha- we never were able to obtain. So, um, you know, remastering it, but then also just kind of making a new layout, and also uh including the last seven inch that the band did after eric allen passed away so it kind of it's everything and and then and then having a layout that was um really modeled after uh, a proper blue note record label release which is which was like our initial idea when we started the band like to kind of you know like that again like we were we sounded like java j who we looked like you know the Beatles and we wanted to be like uh uh you know John Coltrane or something, you know. So it was, it was kinda weird. But um but it looks like a blue note record, you know, and I think so I was like this is this is cool. It's let's put this out. And that was that was that. But it's um I mean we're we're about to reissue some cattle decapitation stuff, which I think is like Fuck yeah, totally relevant to me. Like I yeah, I love that shit still. Like even just getting the master to human jerky I was like fucking this stuff is really, really good. But um I mean, I'm a bigger fan of putting out new stuff. I, I, I would prefer to put out new stuff, uh, and it sucks because <laughs> uh, all the older stuff would, is what sells. You know, if I if I could afford it, and if everybody in all the bands agreed with it, I'm sure we could probably sell a lot of some girls in Holy Molar or whatever, Unbroken or or whatever but like you know i just put out a geronimo lp and a in a in an innis record and 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 no one fucking bought them and i'm like dude those two records are so goddamn good and like no one's buying them it sucks so i mean it is what it is um i i've been like on this um tip or trip lately about um like kind of mentioning uh like birthdays for um releases so i mm-hmm. i have this list and i'm like oh shit this came out today I recently did one for Warsaw was raw sensitizer album. And that's probably one of my favorite records that three one G's ever released. And I, and I'm pretty sure that the majority of people have never heard it. And it's crazy because, um, it sounds like, I don't know, like converge or something, but it's like only two people and it's fucking super ripping. And, and I think that, um, I think if everybody that liked converge heard that they'd probably all buy it. And, and or anybody like like i don't know the locust or something probably buy it but but for whatever reason it's it doesn't sell you know people aren't um i don't know what their problem is (laughs) My i've had the same problem because there's a lot of shit that i don't know about you know i just it is it is what it is but um yeah as far as like favorite releases i mean i guess i kind of stick to like the the recent stuff because that's it's newer and seems cooler like wow this is i've never you know i haven't heard this for 20 years like this is awesome you know (laughs) um but, um, I mean, we, we did a cool Keith seven inch, which was kind of blew my mind. The fact that, you know, it's like, I just was obsessed with, um, Dr. Octagon in, in you know, my early twenties or mid twenties. And then all of a sudden like, shit, we're going to put out a cool Keith record. So that was cool. And like, um, sometimes certain packaging is, is really rad. Like I did this project with Nick Zinner and we put out this flexi x-ray, like, you know, like transparency, like. Lexi record thing it looks like a broken it looks like an x-ray of like a broken bone um like i mean musically whatever but the packaging looks super sick you know and i'm like i'm psyched on that um or we did a met single and i think that that's probably one of my favorite bands right now are uh, uh, uh existing bands you know like not you know like a broken up band or whatever like they're just i think they're incredible uh, and uh so it was really cool to work with them um which was, an, which is also another interesting story because they hit me up and they're like, Hey, we want you to put out a single. Uh, we really, you know, um, like, uh, three, one G and it's lineage and this and that. And we're also going to do one with Swami. And I was like, what the hell? That's so weird. Like you're hitting up two San Diego labels to do your, you know, these, these singles with you. And, and like, I mean, I was all for it, but I was like, that just kind of sweetened the deal. You're like, wow, this amazing band that's popular, you know, big and they're on sub pop and they're, they don't need to do this, like reached out to two cool San Diego labels or, you know, well, two San Diego labels, one cool one and three one G as well um, to do these singles. And I was like, this is awesome. You know? So those are things that kind of mean something and have a lot of value to me, I, I suppose.
0: I think for, for you to like, I, it's almost like you're the labels, the band, you're so proud of, you know, your new stuff and, you're, you're, you, I want, you know, you're going to do the anniversary post, but like, (laughs) you're like, tell, I want to tell you about my new kid.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that is, that is a a, a really relevant thing uh, for me. I think, yeah, because people do kind of just want to like, you know, like, let's just, let's like, you know, let's talk about the older, let's, you know, that's kind of why I was like, oh, swing kids, like, you know, (laughs) like not that I don't appreciate it. I mean, Eric Allen was my best friend and, and right. I and I love Jose Jose's my best friend too. I mean, fuck I love everybody and John Brady, everybody and even Jimmy Lavelle is like who did who later joined the band. Like I love those people, you know, and I what we did was so um important to you know, to us or for us or whatever to, to you know, in life. in all kinds of ways, but like but beyond that I think I question it like is this good for the for people to listen to <laughs> I don't know like and then it's a trip because like occasionally someone will be like you know you like like swing kit saved my life and I'm like what in the fuck like wow why or how or I don't know like and I don't mean it like in a disrespectful way I'm just like and I'm like thank you, know, thank you for saying that and I'm really and I'm, I'm really flattered and I um I'm glad that I was able to help in some way without really realizing it but but I do wonder, like, oh, it's weird. But at the same time, it's you know, it's like, um, you know, meeting, uh, you know, I don't know. When I was a little kid and I met Lux Interior, I was like, oh, you know, you know, like that, or like beating John Lydon or whatever, you know, like that that shit, like, um, changed my life, you know, or, or saved my life or whatever, like, saved my life. Like, those are things that are really important. So I, I, I guess, you know, I, I just don't equate it as something as like. Um, groundbreaking or or important as as maybe someone else does but it to someone that means something obviously to someone the 500 copies of that album meant something to 500 people you know i mean it's because it's like sold sold really well so like okay that's cool there's 500 people so yeah
0: i i Justin, i almost heard your energy in the book I like, or in, you know, the, the post from three one G and even just this conversation and it's like inspiring. And I just, I hear this fire still, like, does that, does, do you, do you, do you still have a thousand ideas you want to get done and, um, all these things, or do you feel like, you know, you feel like the, the, the knees kind of sore a little bit and you're maybe, you know, quiet one day, or is it, I just, I. I don't know. I I hear the fire, and I just I think I don't know. Like you need to do TED talks for kids labels or something.
1: (laughs) Uh Uh Oh, I mean, I don't know if I could. I don't think I'm up to par with being on a TED talk. But I would. That would be like (laughs) I could probably call it after that. That That'd be so sick. But I mean, I I, you know, like um, I think a lot of it is um a, a good a good example is 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 I think um there'll be someone that is a guitar player and they and they play this kind of you know certain kind of music and, they, and this is it they're identified as a guitar player in this band and that's them that's their that's who you, you go you go oh so and so that's them and and so for me i was kind of like always interested in other things so it was um and and not even realizing it you know like like i wanted to do uh a cartoon voice or i wanted to you know uh, you know act or i i wanted to start a project with a hip hop producer or you know i want to like um you know go out and like embarrass myself with with DJs or fucking whatever like you know i like i want to try these things like and see what happens and and i want to try to write a book or like i don't know whatever so there there's there's all kinds of shit that i want to do and and still do it you know i mean i have stuff to do t- tonight like i have stuff to do because i have to go record tomorrow and like those are these are like you know it's not like oh it's the it's the guy from uh the locust the bass player or this one of the singers it's it's like no i want to be like that but also these other things too you know because it all it it, all of that stuff um i think affects me and makes it you know interesting to me it's a good example i guess a good thing is like i remember at one point like looking at at the locust specifically um and realizing oh every this is when we were a five piece when when before gabe was on drums and he was on guitar and realizing that everybody in the locust was like in la shock and in not everybody but people were in Lashock and they were in cattle decapitation and you know holy molar and and um you know did all these other things at the same time and then we we brought those elements you know because to me when you listen to the locust you can hear cattle decapitation and you can hear la shock and you're like fuck that makes sense that's that's cool. So I think that like, I, I appreciate that. You know, I don't want to, um, you know, like going and working on planet B stuff with, with Luke Henshaw who's like, who does like hip hop and Cumbia, you know, like, um, I want to go and bring what I know and work with someone and, and, and on a, on a hip hop record and sing like I do, you know, and, and see what happens. Like it could totally suck, but like I'm into trying it. And they, so I think that's the thing that it, that I have going for me, maybe in my mind I do. Cause I mean, a lot of people think what I do sucks or they don't like it. Uh, and they only want to hear one thing, which is fine. But for me, it's like, I'm, I'm like, Oh fuck, I'm, ex- I'm excited to do this new thing or this different thing, you know, with these other people. Cause there's a shitload of people I still want to play with and work with. And I haven't got to that point yet. So I don't know. Who's yeah, next? Still, I guess they're still fired. Cause there's a ton of stuff. I don't know, I'm still waiting for Mets to let me do a song with them. <laughs> I'm like, let me sing one, one of your songs or something, you know. Um, but I, I don't know, there's tons of people. I w- I'd like to, um, it's been like, we've always talked about working with, with like uh, like I've always talked with um, Dave Stone and Zach Hill, kind of like a thing, and that never happened. And um, I don't know, like uh, uh, there's a lot, yeah, there's tons of people that I would love to work with. Uh, I, I don't know if it'll ever happen, but maybe it will some someday.
0: You got to put out in the world, Justin.
1: Yeah. I I'm totally open to whatever
0: I can,
1: <laughs> you know, whatever presents itself. I'm into it.
0: So, cool. Yeah. Awesome. That was perfect. Yeah. I hope you had fun. <laughs>
1: okay. Yeah, of course. It was great. Um I I do like looking at things in a in a in a uh practical linear perspective you know and and, and trying to find like and trying not to be a dick about it or <laughs> or try to be like smart or something you know so uh, yeah i i appreciate it i appreciate the fact that you know you even mentioned the swing kids because i before we put that into production i was just like all right here we go and then i'm like oh fuck actually people really are psyched on this that's strange to me um so yeah, I mean that's cool. I I appreciate I appreciate you. I, I think that, that that movie, I don't know if you've seen it, it's pretty good called It's Gonna Blow came out. Yes. And um I, 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 I've told Bill, the director, but like it's it's great, but it kinda of focuses on a little bit older than, than 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 my um you know, age bracket or ever. And so in the documentary it's like Rocking the Crip and Drive by Jehu and A Miniature and you know and like you know, these are these things. And then it's like, oh, I'm Gravity Records. But back to like rock, rock from the Crips. You're like, <laughs> fuck, man. Like, where did the gravity go? Like, that's right. weird, you know? So I think like there's little pieces and it, it will happen. I mean, maybe it'll be this documentary. But yeah, you know, I think it'll happen at some point and those things will get noticed and they, and they, and they, and they, and they um, and they should be, you know, or fuck it, you know, the people that know, we know and right. we, we're lucky, you know, right. you gotta, it's like, it's like that, I guess.
0: No, you're, no, you're right. Maybe it's, it's
1: not for everybody, you know.
0: I hope that there's a younger kid listening and going, oh, fuck, I want to check out 3-1-G, like what, I didn't know about the plot to both the Eiffel Tower, like, and then they like go on some crazy, yeah. you know, um, thing that, 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 that we did. So what you've done has been amazing and um, it's just been really rad to hear your story.
1: Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate you just even being uh, interested in, 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 me, you know, especially with the people that I do and even don't know that you've done podcasts with. It's cool to kind of align myself with them. Um, I, I do appreciate that. Um, I do a podcast called Cult and culture. And I had Jason Hammerker on one of the episodes. I love Jason. He comes up and yeah, me too. His, his podcast is, episode is so fucking crazy and and gee comes up in the in the podcast in the most insane story I've ever heard and I was like I just couldn't believe we were even discussing him in in this in in context if you get a if you have an hour and you want to I check will it out, it's called Cult and culture and the episode's yeah but when gee comes into the story you're just like what in the fuck like this is wild you know like so anyhow it's yeah uh Gee's rad. Jason's amazing. So that's cool. Definitely cool.